Hi, Sandy Mackey here with another fun-filled episode of the Ask the Pool Guy podcast with Ask the Pool Guy himself, Al Curtis. Yeah. All right. So, thanks for the introduction. Anytime. I need to do that. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. We've both been kind of out of the office the way you've been gallivanting around the world. And I was uh, and, and I was at a conference, a business conference in Phoenix. And I know you were doing what you were doing, and I was in this room of people, this business conference of people who, as we know, it's a group that we're a part of, that uh, we've been fortunate to be invited back over and over again. And I think this is the first time that, because you've always been there, when I've been there, it's been us talking about what's going on in our lives. And this time it was me talking about what's going on in our lives. And it brought home a lot of what we've done from a marketing standpoint in terms of so drastically different than anyone else in the room. And I don't know that they have all known. Now we get together, what, two or three times a year we typically go. And we've been doing it for five years now. So these are people, most of the people, there's always some new people, but most of the crowd is people that we know pretty well, that we've seen time and time again. In this particular case for me, I was just casually always talking about what we're doing in marketing and what we're doing using by the internet and videos and those types of things. And I recognized what a difference. Now, majority of the people in that room have fantastically successful businesses have built very traditional businesses very big very profitable businesses, living really great lifestyles and most of them even in today's day and age would have an idea what we're doing but they really don't know and so how I know that you did have a lot of conversations with people there where you explained what we're doing and you got somebody like really fired up about it so how because they can look at us from the outside and they can begin to wonder I guess when they hear you talking like well what is really so different how would you even begin that conversation how would you begin to explain that the, I, I don't know and that's what's been so bizarre about it because I I found myself just talking about what we're doing and the cool things that have been happening and and then getting more into the detail of how we've done it. And you know, we've been around those people many times and we talk about, because we're always shooting video anyway, we talk about, hey, we do a lot of video, we're an advocate for the industry, and we sort of just lay that out there. And I don't know that they ever understood, but each of the people, there were several of them that I talked to individually, that afterwards, it sort of all came together via email that, well, I, what was the comment? The term was, the silent rock star or something that we've just been doing our thing and no one's really been paying attention no one's really been asking we've just been talking about how cool it is but no one's really been paying attention and this time somehow they all heard it in a very different way and how how to go about trying to express to them how and what we're doing I, I don't have any idea how to do it it's just happened to be this was the right time that they heard me or maybe because in the past it's you and me bantering and they're not getting it. It's very logical and makes so much sense to us when 
when you're saying something, that I'm saying something, then you're saying something, and it makes sense in our minds, and maybe that in, the, in this group you hasn't know, translated or something. I think you're in a different place now than you would have been the last time you were at a summit, and I think that probably makes a difference. And one of the things that is different is I know that you talked a little bit about social proof with mm -hmm. the group. So there's some social accolades that are happening for you that people could look at. You know, we can talk about what we're doing, but until they know what that means, it kind of mm -hmm. falls short of, like, really making sense to them. So here's what we're doing, and we're published in the National Magazine, mm -hmm. and television a, production companies that's are the difference. calling. Prior to and that you know, all these things are happening. But we've had all of those, other than the television thing, we've had all the rest of that accolade for the last many summits we've been to. Have we walked into, I have, think, have I we think the stepped big one, into a place where we are more comfortable talking about it now? I think because of that production, several production companies communicating with us about television, I think it shifted in both of us that what we've done matters. That was a, a, a piece of social proof that we've had the social proof from doing the magazine articles, from the, the and national awards, the and building the projects, and the love of the people, and and you know the all of it. We we go to the the conventions, and people know the brand, and they know us, and they feel like they know us, and all of that. And yet, that one next step created this whole different level of social proof because it meant. What, what original tentment was, was to be known on the internet. And really, that was like the ultimate social proof, kind of, that production companies found our stuff, both independently said they found our stuff online. And once they saw it, they wanted to communicate with us. And maybe that was that big step of social proof. We have plenty. We have plenty because we know where our leads and how we get business and how we do business and how how we funnel people through to even do business with us. We've done that for a while. And that would go back many summits. But I think this last one, there, there's, there was some other piece of social proof. And I think that, that whole TV show idea, not that I'm sold on having a, a TV show or that we even should do it or if it's a smart idea or not, but I think it was that idea. That was that boost, that social proof that, look, the quote-unquote mainstream is noticing us. The idea that it's possible, yes, I think, is a pretty powerful. And that's place. that addictive part. That's that really good, yummy feeling part. Is is mm -hmm. that possibility? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So going in, I think, in this particular case, with all these people doing very traditional businesses, in a traditional way, and having built really great businesses, and here we are, with a long-standing business that only has been revived because we took a new approach to it, and we know it could have existed that way forever because. We had enough social proof there that it wasn't going away, that business kept coming whether we wanted it or not. But in this particular case, by choosing this route, I think it brought a whole set of fresh eyes that we're going to see from that group of people more communique. Tell us about it. Please let us know what you're doing. How could we apply this to our business? And that's the one person that you mentioned that was so fired up after one evening sitting on the couch just having a uh, conversation about how our lives have changed because of just doing this internet stuff. And, and what does doing the internet stuff meaning? Video, just talking on video. Yeah. Nothing produced, nothing fancy, but doing it. And I know for her, things changed. Well, I think something has shifted in both of us. And could I point to what exactly it is that triggered that? No, 
but I know that I had a conversation a few months ago with someone who was, um, he's a fellow pool industry member, and he was trying to figure out new ways of marketing his company, and this was several months ago, and I had said how important video was, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it someday. And then after the last um, show that we went to that he didn't make it in because of the weather, I think that really got him inspired, like, I have to figure something out because I miss the big show where I make a lot of my connections. So he really had to start thinking about what made sense, and he and I had a conversation right after that had happened. And again, we talked about the importance of him branding and the importance of him doing video, and I just happened to get an email from him today and the enthusiasm that's like oozing through this email is super inspiring because what we've said all along, like he finally gets it. So I think that my conversations with him helped him see something in a new way and at the summit, your conversations with people helped them see in a new way. So I think something has changed just inherently in us that's allowing people to kind of understand the, the scope and the magnitude of what we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Like, we've always been talking about it, but either we're more authoritative about it or it's more grounded within us or something has just happened to make it, like, solidify more, more re as more an idea. More tangible, real. And I think one of the big things, and I don't know how to put it quite into words yet, what I'm seeing when people are kind of finally getting this, like, marketing philosophy that you and I have been using for a long time the amount of enthusiasm and inspiration and happiness that starts coming out of them, like from li living in this land of possibility, is just phenomenal to see. I know I saw it in, um, you know, the email that I got today. You saw it in Bo from the Summit. Mm -hmm. We had a marketing meeting last night, we and Scott was there with his tic-tac-toe board for his company, and just the like bouncing off the walls, kind of feeling like they're entering this new realm of like all these fun possibilities, doing the exact same business they were doing the day before, just with a new perspective Viewing and a, it new in a new way, way. is mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. really kind of the secret that's happening. I think there's there's so much in that. We get accustomed to just always doing a thing and always doing a thing and it's the business is to make money and we get wrapped up in that and of course we know how important that is but in the case of witnessing Scott yesterday in the marketing meeting he's seeing a business that's 32 years old in new from new eyes because he's allowed himself to he he kinda has this roadmap now of okay I let me think about all of these pieces and once you start thinking of all those pieces and what fits in each one of them, it, it kind of op it, it appears to have like opened his eyes to, well, there's so much here, but we only want this. And then he went right back through the board only on that specific topic, and it sounds like that's where he's moving. But you don't know what you don't know, I guess. And, and even having been in business for years and years and years, but all of a sudden there's that openness, that freedom to sort of look at life anew. And I, that's probably when the production companies called us I think there was probably some of that, is there was this whole newness, a whole new world was opening up to us, and it was just possibilities. And I think looking at your business that way, always, and, I, and that's what's been so cool with how we've been approaching it with the company culture, with who we are and how we fit, is it's that constant openness toward new ideas, toward how could we make the experience better. And the experience better isn't just our experience. 
it just isn't the employee's experience. It isn't just the homeowner's experience or the other any other contractors. It's sort of industry-wide. How can we make all of it better and feel better in those moments? And I think that, that openness is something that probably came through for me when I was at that summit. It was, it was just sort of this the, the, the heavens opened up kind of a thing in terms of I'm really okay with where I'm at. We're really great with what we do. And could we like compare that? One of the conversations that I may have shared it with you is, you know, someone had said, you really need to talk more about this. We need to hear this in front of the group. And I'm like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing what we're doing. But in terms of size and scope of, of our business versus their business, you know, it's in a lot of cases, we're not even saying in the same league and we have a great company. But with a lot of those people there, we're not even in the same caliber league of size companies. And, and one of the guys said, but what you're missing is just because it's bigger doesn't mean it's not full of frustrations and unhappiness and miserable people doing things because they're supposed to. And company, you know, the, the CEOs or the, the owners of the companies aren't really frustrated and miserable with it. Because we know that just having more money doesn't make anyone feel better. You have to feel better. With money or without money, it's not going to change. It's just a magnifier. So if you're making, if the company's making more money, but you're really miserable in the process of making it, then who are you as a person? That was an aha moment for me. Here's what he said. And I don't know if I told you this or not. He said, we were talking about reality versus perception. I said, well, I recognize that reality is, is in reality. Perception is reality. And he said, no. Your perception is not reality. It's just how you perceive it. It's because my perception of your reality is way different than your perception of your reality. He said, you may think that you don't qualify to stand on stage to talk about any of this because, and he did the whole quote, because your company is not as big as my company. But that was one of those moments where my perception is my reality. And I've always said, reality isn't reality, perception is reality. That's not even true. Because his perception of my reality is not my perception of my reality. Whose reality is real. And then from his case, he said, everyone here needed to hear that. Everyone needs to hear that story and needs to understand it. Well, here's me going, well, yeah, but, and, and I don't often feel like, you're at a loss for words. I was not only at a loss for words, I feel like I had just been spanked and pushed under the rug because he was absolutely right. But my perception is that my perception is my reality. Now, in the moment of me thinking about it, it is. But my, my perception of reality isn't reality either. I'd never taken that extra step until he said, your perception is not reality. Because my perception of your, your reality is not your perception of your reality. We need to hear what you have to say. And it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, thank you. All I could do is stand there and stare into his eyes and say, thank you. You know, that's, that, that really means a lot. Because here's another piece of social proof. Here's another piece of validating who we are, what we're doing. Because it was around a discussion about what we've done from a marketing standpoint that he told me, he said, if I could do that with my business, 
He said, I could really start living my dreams. I don't know if we talked about this yet either. But he said, if I could do that and get that running so that it's doing kind of what it's doing for you, then I could really live for the passions and the dreams and the things that I want to do. Now, remember my perception of my reality versus his perception? Well, my perception of his reality is much bigger company, much bigger money, much bigger opportunity to do whatever you want. And yet he's saying, well, if I could do what you're doing in the way that you're doing it, that would free me up to be able to do the things that I really want to do. I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those moments where, sure, bigger is not better necessarily. And which led to another conversation I had that weekend over dinner, which was really interesting. And I, and again, I've been around this guy for a while, and just kind of never connected in a way that he would even know what we do hardly, barely. And I made that comment. So another conversation, sitting at dinner with someone that he and I have never really connected. Now I've met him many times at at these functions before. But we never really connected very closely and we got to talking about kind of what we've done over the last number of years. In the time having known him, I'm now telling him the things that we've been doing. And he was really astounded at kind of what it is that we've been able to do. And I had made the comment to him then that, you know, I'm we have a great business. And fortunately we're we're invited back to this gathering, a group of, of these, what I would call phenomenal businesses, bigger business. And phenomenal better doesn't really matter bigger versus smaller. We're a smaller company compared to some of the bigger ones. And he had brought up a book, and he said, there's a book that the CEO writes in the book. He said, small company, fat company, means happy company. And... And it, that struck me. I went out and bought the book immediately. I, I think it's supposed to be coming or maybe it's here already. That reality that we don't have to be a big company because we've talked about that many times. The business community would say, scale the business, scale the business, make it bigger, make it bigger, make it bigger. And we've had the conversation many, many times in all of our discussion that it's not about making it bigger. It's about doing the thing we love because we love to do it and have so much love in that that we make a living doing it and we do okay. And he really hit that for me. Because then he went on to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, to scale up then, it's hiring more people, blah, blah, blah. there's a lot less satisfaction in that because it gets out of control and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of went on because he deals with companies that do that all the time. And his idea of keeping the company small but really profitable is where people find happiness in the business world. And it was like, Wow, you know, that was, you know, how, how many times in the last six months have we had people say stuff to us like, I want to be on what you're on, or, you know, what we're running around saying, hey, everything is awesome, or any of that stuff. And that those words in that book from that CEO ring true, that the company doesn't have to be great, big, huge, doesn't have to be some monstrous thing, it just, it has to be, the love fulfilling. part, the fulfilling. It has to be yeah. fulfilling. Yeah. Well, I know when you were at the summit, then part of what you had done with a couple of people was show them 
kind of our process and how we actually took a new look at our company and we've tried over the years to explain its importance and then um, even this past Tuesday because Scott at our marketing group he had gone through the process himself and he said I know that you guys have talked about this and I've heard Sandy say over and over how you should do it and then he saw us apply it as an example and he kind of goes, oh, I should take another look at this. And he figured out that doing the process for himself, he did it in two ways. He did one as a general overview of his company, and then he did one kind of in a special um, niche that they wanted to go after. And he said even though he had heard that it was important to do, and he had seen it several times until he actually did it and dug in, he didn't realize how inspired it would make him feel, how focused it would help him become, and how it kind of opened up this whole new portal in his being excited about a new part of the business. And I know you had mentioned at the summit that you showed what we do to someone as well, and his response was kind of enthralled at the whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it. there's two, two comments to that first. Did you witness when Scott was talking about because he made copies of this two times around that he did this the tic-tac-toe thing and he shared him with the whole group but did you see the, the in him the I heard it I mean you, yeah it was just it was just oozing out of him mm -hmm. and and he was giddy giggly about yeah. a process about a marketing process yeah because really it's not that it's a it's a discovery of who we are and what we what we can imagine our company can be and we call it marketing and that's a great definition it's it, we for lack of a better term you and I have called it marketing and we've mm -hmm. called it organic marketing mm -hmm. and what it really is is kind of that I would add the word holistic to it a mm -hmm. holistic discovery of what you want your mm -hmm. life to look like as a result of what you put Do, in you as your your work or your mm -hmm. trade. Mm -hmm. Like when you discover what that is, then you can be really excited about it and then like it comes it back wraps to right you. into business so, and other things. So you put mm -hmm. forward an effort and the energy comes back to you in terms of money, financial energy that then you can do more things with. Mm -hmm. And that whole discovery of that process is what we when we use the word marketing that's what we're really talking about. That's probably, I had a, just an aha moment right there. When we discover the thing that we that really makes us happy in a way that it can be done without, without it being whatever it has to be, if, if we can just allow that to happen and then the net result is money that's now usable for whatever, that next set of new discovery is not based on all this anguish and work and hard effort and you know because think about oh I got a set of goal to get the next thing so I can go have my next experience and there's almost easier. this yeah there's almost this yuck so when you go have the next experience you're dragging along with you this bag of yuck instead going through that process of, of just understanding process is not the word either but it's it's sort going of through the fun going through the thing, going through the thing that then allows you to attract the money and get and the money shows up. That money is now used as that next fun experience. You're not dragging in all that junk with you. I got to go have my experience now because I did my thing. Yeah. Instead, it just sort of is there. And there's a there's a really cool moment that in that aha for me was the reality of us f discovering that 
creating that money without it being anxious, without it being hard. And I mean, we're not working any harder than we worked before, or we're not, you know, it's not like you can go quantify and go, wow, they're working harder than they ever have. We're working like we did before, but without that anxiousness and side. And more fun with it. Yeah, and enjoying you it. You could use words like, well, we're more focused now, but focused isn't even a no, fun that's not word. No, that's not a fun word. So it's... It's an understanding. We're, we're working with more of an understanding. It's more specific. And, you know, the, the books that we talk about with Wallace Waddles bring a crystal clear, excuse me, crystal clear vision, or, you know, even uh, Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill saying that definiteness of purpose, and, and kind of boxing and understanding that. We're operating with that without it being focus, without mm -hmm. it being all those words that we try to use mm -hmm. that Buddha would say that as soon as you attach words to it, you diminish it, and that's exactly what happens because we use the word focus so that someone could put it in a box to understand what we're talking about, but it doesn't fit in that box at all. Mm -hmm. But it's a kind of a descriptive word that might sort of get it, but it doesn't. It lacks a lot when we use process or focus or, isn't yeah. it? It's kind of yucky. Yeah. Because all of a sudden now it goes snaps back into some thing I'm supposed to be doing because it's the process I'm supposed to be following. Instead of just sort of that meandering in and through the stream and mm -hmm. finding your way. But the net result, when you do that and it works and you have social proof, the next bit of fun that we have is a net result of the money we made doing it doesn't come along with all this anxiousness and all yeah. the stuff that we normally seem to carry. And when I say we, I'm talking about me. I imagine I'm talking about most people, but when I'm specifically saying that we carry along, I'm really talking about what I have always carried along that I don't anymore, but I certainly did for a long, long time. So, Well, we could keep alluding to this whole magical thing that we do, or we could, you know, share a little bit about what it is. You mean the, the organic marketing stuff? The organic marketing process. Or the... What's what's the new what's the new term now that we're that we're not necessarily calling it marketing, but Holistic that's what it is though. See, and as soon as you, you see, yeah, as soon as you put those words, it kind of like gets even more okay. vague again. So but, our yeah. our magic, our secret sauce, our yeah, you know, special thing. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't even know how to pick better words for it. It is a process. It is a, a grid, a map, and an understanding, and kind of mapping out all of the pieces well, we try to that make it sense. sound fun because it's marketing tic-tac-toe. I know, I know. So. And, and, and that's really what it is. It's just that when it seems to be that when you put it in into words that people have to follow a process, most people lose the interest because it right. just sounds because like a lot of work. Because they feel like they've done... I've done all that stuff before. Yes, I've worked through work. this, and you know, here I still sit, and so I'm really not inspired to go through a process again because it doesn't sound fun, and I don't see that there will be a reward at the end, or mm -hmm. I don't think it'll make me feel better, and I don't know if it'll change my life. Mm -hmm. Well, even so, with a well-crafted sentence, I don't know if we could explain to people the magnitude of just how important and how much fun it you, can be. You are probably right about that. So how would we approach talking about it in this format? Well, let's... Do we paint a word picture? Let's paint a word picture. So let's paint a word picture of what this whole thing is. Every time we refer to marketing, every time we refer to this discovery, let's talk about what that is. And then we'll link to... Some additional resources that people can for people that. to uh, check out. Well, as the story goes, you were you were trying to figure out how to 
work through, we were in a meeting and you were trying to work through the process of marketing and how to get somebody to understand what the pieces of, the, of marketing really were. And I think what we were struggling with then as a community of business owners was not really understanding marketing. Instead, we were thinking about advertising, more specifically having business cards and, you know, should I do an ad in the newspaper? Should I run a yellow page ad? Which you can kind of loosely call that marketing, but that's really more advertising. And I think a lot of us were struggling with adding at that period of time, now what does social media mean? Because you could go to the newspaper and take out an ad or get a yellow page ad or something. Well, all of a sudden social media was this, this social realm of kind of slippery you couldn't like put your finger on it and it didn't it's not like you could buy something and it would stay there and it didn't mean anything yet right to a lot of people right and we were recognizing how much attention we were getting as a result of it and yet on the same token not knowing what the process was we knew how to do what we were doing but we didn't know what was happening in people's minds that was allowing it to happen. I think we were kind of working through that discovery and it seems to me that's about when this this process sort of downloaded itself onto your pen and paper that day. Right, right. I was trying to frame an easy to understand way for people to look at what this is and the result of well, that. Was it marketing was in general at that time or was it, do you think it was more like kind of the, the online social media world? I mean where did it you know, it was it was, was marketing. It it's it's kind of the marketing of of you, and I, I don't know how to simplify it and put it into other. Words. So it wasn't necessarily social media. I know that was kind of what was driving us trying to figure it out, but it wasn't necessarily online alone. Well, it was how everything can work together, okay. and it's how social media kind of plugged into the rest of kind of what it was and I really don't know where my mind was that day to be able to come up with it because it's brilliant and probably one of my most brilliant moments ever in my life. I would probably agree with you there in terms of mapping out brilliance you put it on paper that day. I did, mm -hmm. I really did. Mm -hmm. So with our word picture let's just give a kind of brief overview of what we did with our business and kind of how we walked through the marketing tic-tac-toe. So you can find resources about marketing tic-tac-toe on the website. I'll be sure to link it when I put this video up on uh, both the podcast uh, site and on YouTube so that you can link over to it. And then we do have a resources page over on askthepoolguy.com um, that you can find a little bit more of kind of the the pool professional and other you know small business resources that you're looking for. So the premise for marketing tic-tac-toe was how to kind of map out what does this look like? And when I say what does this look like, it can be any business or concept or product or whatever you'd like to work on. So for the sake of this, um, if you just draw a tic-tac-toe board and in the center square you start with you. Really in that square is where this whole process gets started, this whole discovery, the holistic discovery gets to launch. That's that was the most brilliant part. I mean, the whole thing is brilliant. But that recognition that all of marketing, and this was, we were kind of working toward marketing so we could, like you said, apply it to anything. But whether it's marketing a product, a service, uh, you know, a division of your company or whatever it is. But that center square of you, 
is by far the most important. And I think we've certainly realized that over the years that it kind of doesn't matter what you do outside of that if you don't know who you are. And you don't know all of the specifics. And the work is all internal, is how you on the inside can be whatever you need to be and you being a committee or a person. And that was that is so fundamental. Of course, in tic-tac-toe, that's fundamental, getting that center square. But that center square of you really means everything. Because don't you think if you if everybody did that work, that they would stumble across enough good ideas in terms of how to really market their product or service? If they really did the internal work of who they were, what they stood for, what is it that they are, what do they want out of all of it, all of that work, most of us don't know. We just sort of stumble through thinking we're supposed to just figure it out over time. Well, I think people are too afraid to get too specific, and I hear that a lot. And I know when we first started doing it as well, like if you put the center score of you and you say, well, I'm a pool company, then you're afraid to go any deeper than that because you, you're you afraid somehow that it'll like take things off the table. Like, well, if I get too specific, then I'm going to lose all my Missing customers. Missing my stuff for or, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave money on the table. And I think even Chad from our marketing group is a good example. Chad is a home remodeler. And he could do a tic-tac-toe board about him being someone who does home renovations. And what he really wants, though, is to do high-end, custom, exclusive kitchens that are maybe a step away from a normal kitchen. So he has... Um, not been afraid to do a marketing tic-tac-toe board now where in that center square of you Chad Warden the remodeler he's actually redefining that to Chad Warden the guy that does super cool custom kitchens so he kind of took a step over from sure he can still do remodeling and he can still say yes to that work but really what he wants to focus on and what he wants kind of the universe to know that he does is this really specialty niche and that's what we did, instead of putting in the center square of you, we're a pool, pool company person, yeah. and we service all people with pools, we got really clear and we did one board for the construction side of our business and we did another board for the service side and we've even done another board for the online Ask the Pool Guy brand. So we didn't lump everything into one space. Mm -hmm. We actually got very specific. So you as, let's talk about the pool construction company, here's what the types of projects we want to do are, here's what we want to be known for, and here's what we really want that company to to look like stand and to stand for. for. Yeah, what, what's the culture? What is it? So what that's do we how want we started. Be? Yeah, and looking at that alone, that is a scary spot. You made, you made a great point there is we're very afraid sometimes to leave too much on the table, and Chad is a great example because, yes, he could put Chad the remodeler there, and yet... He doesn't want most of it. Now, he'll take it because you're supposed to take it. And he's, he's the first one to say in business school, they te tell, teach you to take it all. And he came from that paradigm. But he recognizes now that that's not really what I want. Could I take the, those calls? Sure. But what if I didn't have to? Here's that what if part. What if I could figure out a way of just getting the stuff that I want and have so much of it, I wouldn't have to take those other calls. Now, you can take any call you want, but if you didn't have have to what would that look like that was a big one for me because we just took the calls because it was coming and whether we loved it or not we did it because we thought it made money but what if we didn't have to and that was that was the real eye-opener what if we didn't what if we just had enough of what we wanted we didn't have to look at doing anything that didn't tickle us 
that didn't make us happy and and fun and, and all of that and so we looked at that the artistic creative all of that stuff we didn't know who the customer was I mean we knew who we wanted them to be but we didn't know the characteristics at that point instead we were simply focusing on the things that we really want mm -hmm. and how could we get that and that was at Center Square which is where you spend 50, 60, 70% of, of the time yeah. is really figuring that out because outside of that, once you know you, it's much easier to think about the customer and think about how to market to them and all the other things. Well, and the more we got social proof, the more we were able to refine even mm -hmm. that center square mm -hmm. because it is a little scary at first to get so specific and then as you get specific and you're rewarded with the business coming and the right clients coming, then you can even get a little, a little more specific more as you kind of go through it. So this whole thing, organic marketing, isn't something you do once and then put it away. It's something that you do over and over. You revisit I knew there was a problem with this. in a fun way. What? Who do we know that wants a pill to fix everything? That's the challenge with our world is, what do you mean you don't just do it once? I want to do it once, it solves all my problems, I can go about my day. We know that's not real. But well, I think, think of how many people, that's kind of what they want out of the magic seminar, or get the one secret. The secret is that everything continues to change and you have to always work on it. But everyone's looking for that one secret, that single pill that kind of fixes it all, takes care of it. I did my work, now I'm just going to go make money. Well, if people hang out with us, they discover that it's fun to go yes. through it the first time. And then as long as they're reminded, you know, let's do it again, and they actually take... I mean, it could take five minutes, it could take five hours, however right. long you want to spend right. on it. Right. But once you've done it once and you've kind of really, like, glimpsed that magic part of it or you've, mm -hmm. like, had that feeling inside, then you're probably more likely to say, okay, yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it do it again. again. Mm -hmm. And we do it quite often for a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. You know, the most recent was if we planned a television show. What would it look like? for our company to participate in, what would it look like? And that process was super fun because we got to be so specific about what would we want the show to look like, who would we want to be talking to, what kinds of things would we want to do, and it was just a nice way to like work through all those details in a nice, easy-to-look-at format. That's the other thing that marketing tic-tac-toe does. Mm, like, simple. marketing is, you know, there's all these things and you can feel so much pressure about trying to figure out where do I go, what do I do, how do I keep track of it all, you can get everything to fit on a marketing tic-tac-toe board and any concept or idea or to-do item that comes up, you have an easy place to plug it in so that at a glance you can really kind of get an overview of what's going on. And I don't know if anybody else finds that fun, but I love that. I love being able to just take something that could be super complicated and make it so simple that it's, it's so, so easy to look at. You know, you mentioned that we did it with the TV show idea. And I know what came out of that for me. The idea first, uh, the social proof part of production companies calling us about a, a TV show. Wow. You know, so your mind plays into the, what, what if we did that? Wouldn't that be cool? And then that was being, when the first company called, we were kind of at their mercy. Because, you know, you kind of want to do things right so you can get that TV show. That second company calling changed the game completely. Because at that point, we recognized once we did the tic-tac-toe and, and really identified the center square, what would that look like if we even did one? All of a sudden, everything came crystal clear that we would do it just to do it. 
We wouldn't do it just to have notoriety. We wouldn't do it just to get more business. It that that center square made it very apparent. We would do it if it matched if it, what we if wanted. If it matched our the, our culture, if it matched who we were, if it could be done in such a way that it magnified that and it and it brought the industry. It was about the industry, not about the project. It was about you know all those things. But without understanding that center square, we've done so much work in there understanding who we are that it was easier to plug into that. Mm -hmm. But once we started plugging into that center square specific to the television show it became crystal clear that I wouldn't do a TV show just to do one. Up to that point I probably would have because of my ego probably would have pushed me farther along to say but just do it you never know what it's going to be like but that center square really identified for me that no it doesn't make any sense if it doesn't match the culture match the brand if it doesn't help us be better and have more fun and it's just as a distraction then it wouldn't work but that's because of that center and that was, that was a huge piece. All right, so doing the work on the center square of you is really kind of where you start to, like, map out what you want your future to look like. And you could say map out what you want your marketing to look like, but it's really, like, you define that your center square based anything. on, like, the path that you want your life to take for the foreseeable future. Because mm -hmm. we know once this kind of starts to... Um, shift and make things happen that you'll revise and you'll reframe kind of what you're looking for. So so from the center square view, the next thing that you need to think about is who is your target audience? And when we started defining this for the pool construction company, we wanted to do artistic, creative projects um, that then we started thinking about the target. Okay, so who would that be? And I know you said it was hard for us to know what they'd look like but we really kind of invented in our minds what do we want mm -hmm. them to look like. Mm -hmm. We want them to be people that value experiences and they wanted to create an environment not because it looked pretty on, on paper or because the neighbors would think they were cool, but because they could enjoy the space, their family could enjoy the space. They were so seeking they, the lifestyle They part valued of that mm -hmm. part of things. Um, we also started to kind of define some of the quirks that we'd hoped that they'd have. You mm -hmm. know, being a little bit eccentric, being a little bit excited about, you know, doing themes in their yards, um, being kind of abundant with their money blueprint so that they had the cash available to pay for something like this. And then once we started building, you know, once the project started coming along that fit kind of what this was, we were able to get even more specific about what similarities did our target audience have. So now we could say, the target audience is often um, kind of dual income households, not in all cases, but in some. Um, the majority of them live in average homes on dirt roads who value, again, that experience of having this home for their family. They're not buying in exclusive zip codes just because they're kind of buying what makes them happy. And that's another key component of our target audience. They know what they want and they want things that make them happy and they're willing to invest in themselves to be able to get that. Don't you think also, because we spent all the center squares time with us, is we recognized that we want in some way wanted their lives to match up with ours, not in terms of how we did or how we looked or, or those things, but kind of our values Similar and, and what, values, what yeah. we appreciate in life and what we really find to be important. We want to see mm -hmm. that in them as well, Definitely. because that's going to match to 
the core of what we are. So instead of letting the, and here's a mistake I think often people make is, they let the customer dictate who they are. So, oh look, everyone wants this, therefore I'm going to be that. And, and how many times do you say, well, if a customer wants it, you're supposed to do it. Well, yeah, that's what business school would teach you. And oftentimes the center square is dictated by anyone who they can call a customer. That's a big shift for us to say, no, this is who we are. We want them to mirror us. We want to be able to see something in them that we appreciate about us. That there's that connection that th what they are or what they stand for is something that we value. Instead of them being a wallet that we could draw from, instead it was they, they in some way are the people that we are inside or want to be inside or strive to be inside or whatever it is. That there was, there's a more of a symbiotic connection there than just a transaction. Well, we can talk about energy and um, for anyone who's into that, I know that there's um, a way of referencing like when you're vibrating at the same level. Resonance. Like things, yeah, it resonates with you. So we really wanted people mm -hmm. that kind of resonated with us in mm -hmm. kind of that life trajectory that we were mm -hmm. doing. And once we had defined the center square of us and what the target audience looked like, when somebody new comes along, especially now, it's really easy for us to quickly evaluate, is this someone who kind of fits the core of what we're looking for or don't they? And again, that's something really scary to do at first is to say, no, you don't fit. And we've become really comfortable now screening people and saying, you know what, we've got someone who maybe is a better fit for you than we will be, just because we know that that doesn't quite line up. So we've gotten really good at figuring out kind of how to measure that part. And the moment we recognize that, that they're not really what we want in our lives, it's very easy to say no. It wasn't. You know me, and it wasn't easy to say no to anything that, you know, if they called, we're going to do it. And yet recognizing that if they don't fit exactly, they don't fit that piece, then we don't want to do it. Which, we had to make some tough choices about, okay, we, we will not, at most in most cases, take calls from these zip codes or these areas because of the type of people that tend to live, work, and be there. Doesn't mean they are, but we kind of have a pretty good general sense of people from certain communities have certain beliefs that don't match with our beliefs and it's really easy to say no to that and there's now. builders that really that resonate successfully with that. Absolutely. service that market mm -hmm. and we just know that it's not the market it's, that we no. want to service but those that was some of the tough stuff though to go that's been my dream thing me years and years ago building in the exclusive neighborhoods with the exclusive homes with the exclusive pools was the if only I could get there you know and, and that drove me for a long time wanting to be good enough or capable enough or whatever I thought I needed to be to get into those communities and had we not done the center square work to realize that that doesn't that doesn't match us and that then doesn't make you happy now mm -hmm. you would have thought back in the day that that, if that I got would there, make it you would be the, yeah if i got there i would be happy mm -hmm. what we've determined in that center square is what makes you happy what makes me happy what makes our company happy 
is not necessarily what you thought would no. have made you happy before. No, and, and a great example was that the other year, getting that call from the neighborhood of all neighborhoods that I would have dreamed of working in. Now, I've quoted a few things over the year, never gotten any work, and, and this customer came along, and they absolutely wanted us to do that work. And after hearing about, well, the neighbors have to approve it, and I don't know if the neighbors going to like it, I was done and gone, and I couldn't have left there quicker. And, and this was a really high-dollar project, and I referred them to someone else, and he called me, the, the other pool company called me and said, what's wrong with them? Nothing's wrong with them. Well, why would you give this up? It just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't fit. They seem like lovely people. They're very whatever. And that was so easy to do. But, boy, it put me back in the old paradigm, and I would have given it away to get, get the opportunity to work there. And yet, but we have so many opportunities coming up that match exactly what you want to be doing. We would just be bogged down doing something I wasn't enjoying doing and missing all of this really great stuff that the very next call was bringing in. But had I taken that other one, I wouldn't have been able to do that one. And mm -hmm. now we have, there's social proof. We have plenty of that again now too. Mm -hmm. But understanding that that customer, that our customer isn't what most people would think. If we didn't lay a framework of how we attract customers and who they are, and we just had a business conference and told people this, it wouldn't make any sense because everybody would think exclusive neighborhoods, higher dollars. They would have had this formula in their head about how they're going to be a better company. And yet, it's so far from that because of the work that we did with it, is to understand who they are. And then we got to realize how cool those people are and how we want to be around them as much as we can be around them. And as the net result is that, because we resonate, is they never want us to leave. So now our construction process went, how long is this going to take to, would you please stay here forever? And we're crying because you're leaving our yard. Well, that, now, there's an exit of social proof. Wait a minute. So you mean we can love the customer, and the customer can love us, and we can have a good symbiotic, awesome relationship? That's not supposed to exist. Is it? It's supposed to be, you know, let's not like each other and then at the end agree we like each other again. No, it doesn't have to be that at all. No. But that's that paradigm that most people still live in about construction. and <gasps> It just doesn't well, have to be that. Well, when we decided who our target audience was as well, I know you talk about wanting to love the customer through the process. And so many of our interviews um, that we do or the video that we do with some of our customers, they struggle for words to say that this was unlike any contractor experience that we've ever had before. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for people who can have that with us, can and have that's, that's, an experience unlike anything else they've ever had. And that's all the social proof we should ever need. When you, when you look at, just look, the emotion I just saw in your face, you describing that, that's more social proof than we could ever, ever should need. We shouldn't need a TV show or shouldn't need anything else. When, when we create that time, it didn't happen just once. No. If it had been like a once, we would have gone, wow, that was just awesome customer. I wish you could be like that. But it's every customer. Yeah. That that feeling, that same thing happens because we know them. They know us. We're selecting them as much, if not more, as they're selecting us in this process. And that means so much because we know who they are now. We really, they can fit or not fit. And how much work... If we were to like have to define work, like you have to work, this is so hard to do, how much actual work 
did this take us other than getting really honest with ourselves, having to kind of crack open the doors of some of the closets of past experiences that we didn't like how they turned out. And, you know, we had to go through a lot of that emotional junk to, to recognize, okay, so those are things we did that were mistakes or wrong customers or, you know, we kind of had to hash through a lot of how we felt about things. But in terms of work work, it's not like we had to physically labor for hundreds of hours to do it. No. We had to have open dialogue, honesty, clarity, and, and continue to slug through even when I would rather cry, either when I'd rather run out the door and say I don't want to do this anymore. That was the work. You know, and I think the work comes with a buddy system as well. It just, helps. Just thinking about the way that you're explaining that. Somebody can go through this by themselves, and they can think, okay, I got it. And then all those, like, doubts are going to creep in, and without bouncing the ideas off of someone else who gets it, because you can't just bounce them off right. of just anybody. It has to be someone who kind of gets where you're going with this. Having that person, I think, really helped, because... We were able to come up with the ideas, we were able to practice it, and when one of us had doubts, the other one said, no, just stay the course, or vice sure. versa, to help that. So I think another kind of key component that we haven't talked about much to this point with this whole organic marketing thing is the importance of having a peer group or a buddy system or a mastermind that you can actually go through Don't it with. You. Because mm -hmm. probably the mastermind is even the most powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have the ability to do that within your company, that's great, but then you should still have outside perspectives. So I'd say two to six or eight people max yeah. that kind of understand what yeah. journey you're on that can be those um, idea bouncers and those um, attaboy people that say, like, yeah, you're on the right track and you're getting this. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Hold on. You were just mentioning, you know, having a peer group and a small group of people, a mastermind. And at bare minimum, one other person. And you don't have to be exactly alike, because you and I are very much not alike, and yet we've created this almost third consciousness, this third person that's us in combination. Well, we have the ability to create a similar vision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So very different perspectives, very different. Mm -hmm. but a, an alignment when it comes to what the future and, and that takes some effort. We've, we've had to work at that. We haven't... I remember we used to joke when in meetings when you and I would go head to head over trying to hash through something is we'd warn people don't it would make don't be afraid it would make people uncomfortable yeah. and we had to do some of that work though we had to kind of get deep into how we really felt about stuff because until you really feel the feeling and if you do this and you're not really honest and you're kind of sort of talking but you're not really telling the whole story it's going to be a difficult road but when we got really honest with ourselves, now this is what's going to scare people away more than anything, is most people don't want to be honest with themselves or honest with their peer group. But I think a good thing would be if you were going to do it within a company and have the several key players, you should also always have someone from outside the company that has no specific vested interest into the process. Because they can see right through. They can be objective. They can be objective and see right through everybody trying to, you know, circle around a topic without talking about it. Someone from outside yeah. will very much recognize that. Someone from inside, everyone's being worried because the boss might say something, or you know, there's all that hierarchy. Mm -hmm. But in that particular, if you're going to have a peer group within the company, have at least one person that's completely mm -hmm. out of it, outside of that. 
So then, kind of back to the, the squares and kind of the next one in that progression after you define who you are and where you want to go with it, the um, think about who is the target audience. And then once you decide who they are, once we decided who our target audience was, kind of the eclectic, interesting people looking for lifestyle, then we had to think about how they think. And once we started thinking about how they think, then we could figure out how to make our messages that they could hear, that they could see, that they could listen to. So one of the things that we did adopt early on was doing video. And we didn't, I think, have a clear idea at the beginning how important video would become. But once we started putting out, we do a lot of kind of the philosophy of building, we do somehow is it made, we started getting kind of that social proof again or that validation that that was working because the people that fit our target audience were then coming to us saying, I watched your videos and what I learned when you were giving away kind of all the secrets of how you do things is you must be really good at it to be willing to share it with anybody else who wants to learn it. And then one of the other things that happened with some of the kind of um, the philosophy was people would say, we kind of heard you talking and we really liked where you were coming from. So aside from the technical knowledge of, that we could share, they really liked seeing who our company was and who you were, especially as a person. And then going a step further in the videos, we started learning that people liked to see a little of the philosophy and then they also liked to see a little bit of the fun because they could see themselves having that kind of fun with their family. So Al doing a backflip off of a waterfall is something that has now attracted several customers to us because they can look at that video and they can say, I want to be able to do that with my kids or I want to be able to do that and host people. So we had to start thinking like our customers and before we had all this validation, we, we just kind of took a stab at it. We tried our best at what we thought would work and then as we started getting that feedback about what was really working then we started doing more of that so we've always been on the right track on that part but then once we started listening to our target audience like we were able to um, do more of that and kind of really define kind of what were some of those things and the feelings that they were having so from my perspective the, the think like the customer square If I was just telling my message because I was telling my message, because it was the way that I tell my message about what I want to talk about, it'd be like this. And when we defined that customer and we got into the mind of how they would think, and this is what's going on in my head as we're doing video, as, we're, as I'm talking all the time, is does what I'm saying align with me? And does it align with the people that I'm trying to attract? Because we certainly want, my words certainly want to enter my potential client's ear and ring and resonate. And wow, that's something that, that intrigues me or that interests me. And here he's saying it. You know, there's something more to it. And it's that process. If I had no idea how they thought, which we had to take a stab at it, you're right. But we had a general sense because we'd done a lot of work with us and we kind of knew that they're going to be a lot like us in a lot of respects and what's going to resonate with us is probably going to resonate with them. So it was, it was fairly easy. If we hadn't done any of the internal work at all, but we knew a target audience and we thought we knew what, what they would, would like to hear, 
we would be v being very inauthentic doing it if we didn't really if we didn't really know the mill, and that's again. Tic tac toe was three in a row, and in this case, one of the it doesn't matter the orientation right now, but those three in a row, you the center square, your target audience, and how they think is a really a winning combination. But think for a minute if you imagine you knew what the target was, and you imagine you knew how they thought, but you didn't fit in that center square between those two things, and, and you didn't really know who you were, and how inauthentic could you be, and would you be? trying to play to somebody else just so you could attract them. Well, I and, think and that's a, there's kind of a disconnect there that I think we discovered how important it was to be authentically us and attract those people. And I think we've seen that in the pool business here in our local market too. I know that there's several builders who are kind of paying attention to what we're doing and they're saying, well, I would love to do that too. I'd love to do that type of work. But they haven't done the work to decide that that's what they want their future they to look like. Mm -hmm. So they see the work we're doing and they see the customers we're doing it with and those customers can tell when it's not lining up and when it's not authentic. So as much mm -hmm. as we can tell when a customer is right, I know that there's customers out there that are in tune enough to know mm -hmm. when a company is not right as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important mm -hmm. piece that if you do the work then it all lines up. But if you don't do the work and you just want what you see somebody else having, then it's it's not really going to line up for you. And very that's well. what that's how I would almost classify the difference between marketing and advertising, because advertising is just sort of creating messages that whether they resonate or not, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, the marketing is is it's telling the story that matters. It's telling the story and it's creating that. It's like lining it up for people because you can tell a story and if it's not your authentic right. story. So when we say telling the story, it's kind of the expression of what is happening for our company. So if you're and it's, expressing it's the authentic, it in it's the, the right authentic way, us. it's not just a made up then story. It, then it really kind of everything mm -hmm. lines up and it makes mm -hmm. sense. And that leads over to the energy mm -hmm. signature, mm -hmm. which will be the next piece. So, so the next piece beyond knowing who you are, knowing who your target audience is and how they think, and having to be authentic with all of that, and, and telling a story, which is what marketing is, in an authentic way. Because we can really smell inauthenticity a lot. Some people still fall for it, and that's okay. And, and business gets done, and but it's... some people are okay with that. And, and, and some, some people, that's, the, that's, okay and that's their style. Yeah. And that's very much a customer that isn't going to resonate with us that we're not going to want to do business with. It doesn't mean they can't have a great pool built. It doesn't mean that they can't have whatever, mm -hmm. and they will, but that doesn't match with us. Mm -hmm. Which the next square is what we call the energy signature. Now, the energy signature isn't something mo most people think about either, and yet it's so prevalent in everything. So a brief explanation would be the energy signature is thinking about how you want a customer to think about you, to feel about you, to talk about you when you're not there. So what can I do to this audience of mine in an authentic way that will get them to feel a certain way? And so the, the, it's going through that process is we've all been in a room where someone really exciting walked in and the hush went over the crowd and there was like this feel this energy and you go 
who is it? That's someone with a really great energy signature versus, you know, we have also been in the party where there's the downer guy that you just can't wait for them to leave. And the minute they leave, it seems like the cloud lifted and the lights came on. And that's someone with a really poor energy signature. We can authentically create, and if we take the time to understand it, a really good energy that comes through in our video. Where it does, So it doesn't have to be just how we interact specifically, but in everything we do, we want to bring a certain feel mm -hmm. that people can feel good about it, understand it, want to talk about it, want to express it, want to share their, their ideas, and they want to share their experiences with, uh, about us to other people because of how it makes them feel. We also need, in the construction side, for a yard to have a good energy signature. Like, the yard has to feel right for us to work in it. Mm -hmm. And after we've built a pool in there, we want it to feel a certain way the minute somebody walks in there. Like, it mm -hmm. feels like they, they came home to this, you know, peaceful, serene, comfortable, awesome place and you know we just in this last week have been talking about the energy signature of water as well mm -hmm. for anybody who's read into you know happy water versus angry water and kind of how the crystals um, crystallize when, when they freeze mm -hmm. and that's another like all-encompassing so when we attract our customers and when we share our message with the world we're talking energy signature but then when we build the projects even the water and the concrete and you know the sculpting that goes into it every component that's in there also carries that energy signature well and that's a really important distinction because we I, my idea from a design end in in terms of these are my secrets is my expectation is to create full immersion that when someone is in the space they become immersed in the space it becomes a it, it becomes a, a nice comfy comforter that wraps them up with love and wants them to f have a good time and express themselves and have a good thing so that consciously goes into it and it's it's the energy signature is also about honoring the space so it's become really apparent to me that it's important for me to honor the yard and honor the neighbors if there's neighbors and and honor what may have happened there before because Construction, we just don't care, we just dig up, we own, we whatever. But the more that we can just be real with the ground, real with the earth, and real with the neighbors, and real with all of it, and, and recognize that before we came in and tore it up, who knows what memories were there? Who knows who did what there and how people are attached to that space? So to me, it's become very important to honor that space. And that's where a lot of that energy signature comes from as well, is trying to infuse that into everything. So once we kind of get through the process where we're working on the energy signature, everything that we do needs to line up with that. Everything needs to feel good to us, and then it needs to feel good to our clients as well. Um, and then from there in the process, the, the rest of the squares um, more that you work through stuff. are a little bit more mechanical. From there, you can start looking at your networks and how you can create relationships with other people and with other companies to kind of support and understand what you're doing. I think importantly, so so they know what people that you work with look like. And mm -hmm. that's something I know a lot of people, um, especially beginners in business, kind of struggle with putting together that message. But once you go through the rest of this process, the organic marketing process, it becomes a little bit easier to 
kind of define that and become really clear. Like, I remember networking meetings where people would say, okay, you have to have your ask because it's going to be your turn. And because we had been doing this work with the process, I would go to networking events just to be with people and get new ideas. And I very rarely had an ask at those meetings where everyone else was like begging, who can you connect me with, who can buy my stuff or whatever. It'd come around to me and it would be, well, I just hope everybody has a great day because, you know, I am or I hope you have an adventure today or something like that because I wasn't there to ask people for something. I was there to kind of ask them to have a better experience or to share themselves with me, but I wasn't there asking because this whole organic marketing process made that Takes obsolete. That away. Yeah, you don't even need to. Yeah. So it's, it's harnessing all those groups of people, the networks that you're yeah, connected with, and let's just finish the square up real quick. And knowing that, that's like business to business type of people. You have social networks and things that are closer, we'll talk about that next, but it's more of those business connection network things. Is Think through how you could share a message within those groups and leverage those groups to help you attract those customers and and you want them to feel good about you so that absolutely knowing who your target is knowing how to express that and then also having that strong energy signature starts to get people to look at you a little bit strangely and say I want what you have or I want to be as clear as you are or you know I want to feel that good about my customers so being able to express all of these things, especially when networking, will then start getting people to pay attention to you in a different Even way. Mm -hmm. Because they'll start wondering, well, what are you doing and why are you so different? Mm -hmm. And they'll be able to kind of express that to people they come in contact with. It's a great distinction. Is, is you're, you're infusing in them that last square, that energy signature part. But you're pulling that into a business community set, setting where that will attract a lot of people to you, not you standing up and going, I need you to buy me this, I need you to buy this stuff from me today. That'll attract a one-time audience maybe, but when you start infusing that whole other element, it starts bringing people in for a, a much broader net and a much longer, longer lasting time. The other important thing about networks too is I know when a small business starts to network, they kind of go to everything, everywhere, begging for people to talk to them. and Becoming very um, aware of who you are and where you're going allows you to choose your networking experiences a little more selectively so that you could hang out with other people in similar industries or other people that mm -hmm. service a similar industry to yours. So it's not like haphazard networking, which crazy, is crazy, what I think crazy. a lot of people do, yeah. but it becomes very focused. Like hang out with people with your suppliers, hang out with other pool companies if you're a pool company, hang out mm -hmm. with you know, if you're a carpet cleaner, find, you know, restoration companies and remodelers and kind of start yeah, to create those spheres. those spheres that are similar to what you're doing instead of just, you know, the local anything group. Mm -hmm. Like, that just doesn't make as much sense. It doesn't. And I that's think, that's what we think we need to do. But that's that you're absolutely right. That's not the right way to do it. So now that we sort of have that business networking thing figured out, or having at least talked about the things to do, the next logical step and place to talk about is what we call connections. Now mm -hmm. explain what you see connections being, because people can't see that difference necessarily between business networks and connections, but there is kind of a distinct, a subtle but distinct difference. Could you kind of explain? Yeah, the, um, yes, I can explain that. All right. The 
subtle difference between networking and then connections is if you look at the tic-tac-toe board and if you download one from the website you'll see that it has these different axes and one is um, business personal and then universe kind of across the top and then down the side it's business personal and universe so that square of networking is kind of your business to business connections and then the square of connections becomes your business and personal so it starts to bridge a little bit more of you with everything else that you're doing and because you're doing organic marketing and the tic-tac-toe board like you're infusing your personal energy into everything but there's kind of there's a reason you do networking and then there's a reason that you have connections and the connections are kind of that warmer and fuzzier friendlier um, place of your social network so some of those can be your social media although some of your social media could be purely networking but yeah, if you're just gonna really, do it for that really, don't yeah, do it right. so it's it's kind of bringing your personal energy more of your energy signature into your interactions some of your um, social groups as well so things that you like and you're interested in will be in that square of your connections and then some of the connections that you foster because you know that they're just important to the advancement of your business is going to be another one of those pieces so I think a lot of times like when we started going to the pool shows those were like it was networking it was personal education but we were going there to network with peers in our industry and the more that we went and the more that we continue going and the more video we've done with people and the more that we've had dinner with people then those people move from a purely like network we only know them because of business to like you know we're friends yeah. I would consider that many of the people that we started seeing at the shows they've become more close personal friends like we have just a stronger relationship a better relationship than just I know them from a distance because we're in the same industry so it's kind of when that like layer of like that business buffer comes down and you're a little more like personally interactive with people a little more vulnerable mm -hmm. that's really where that connection square mm -hmm. comes mm -hmm. from and that connection square is kind of a lot more powerful than just the networking because sure it's, you know well, we, I, I think it's, it's we still network more. with people mm -hmm. and we still you know if somebody calls and they're not a fit for us well we've networked with people that we can send them to but it's a much stronger kind of handoff if they're one of our personal connections mm -hmm. that we're mm -hmm. sending someone to and there is a distinct difference between that that purely business person that you just sort of know on a business level and someone that you care about or someone that you're, you're deeper connected to. And I think that is a really powerful group. And the easiest way to explain or to see it visually would be a social, uh, social network online. That you're there for personal reasons with business intent, or you could be there for personal reasons or personal intent as well, but you're really there for personal reasons with business intent. If you're there for business reasons, with personal intent, like you said, you might as well not do it. If you're there just because you're going to try to get business, and we all are connected to those people online, and we all can see it all the time, and it doesn't work very well, and it turns most of us off. But that's a good that's a good place. If you can now take those type of people that online that you would consider part of your social network, look, think about the people offline that kind of fit that same category, and you'll realize how powerful a group that is in your life. Whether whether they you know whoever they are it doesn't really matter but that's a really influential part of your life 
way more so than the business-to-business -business guy that you can kind of kind of have a casual conversation with. That's someone that could really you could influence, or they can influence you, and and they can really help you along the way in making some of those decisions and things. So it's really an important piece. I think that's that's kind of that peer group that you could talk to. That's that peer group that could help you muddle your way through some stuff or can help you get connected to the right people because they have a vested interest you they have a connection to you so the next place to look in terms of kind of all of this marketing that you're putting together is the square that we call the stuff and the stuff is just what it sounds like all the stuff anything like physically that you would put together to hand out or pass out so business cards flyers um, you know little any type of gimmicky kind of stuff or, like you know wristbands or stress balls and things like that your advertising that you might put occasionally in a shoppers journal or in the newspaper and what really became apparent to us when we first came up with this organic marketing model is how many people especially those that are new in business go directly to the stuff and it becomes so important for them to get all this stuff before they've really figured out like what's the message who are you talking to what are the target audience clients that you really want and when you look at it as a part of the whole marketing strategy the stuff is like one-ninth should be one-ninth of your time energy and budget mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned or less. and that's what we've done we've spent you know we divided all those squares up the majority needs to be spent on the time in the middle which is you which doesn't cost you anything to think about and then it's just the time that you put into it and then the other squares um, you kind of navigate accordingly and the stuff you should really only make stuff when it makes sense so sure have that's it, where you're spending money and that's where that's where you yeah. spend money but mm -hmm. only spend it when it really makes sense so mm -hmm. make some business cards although even now because so much happens electronically and via websites I mean you hardly need business cards unless you're one of those networking networkers who tries to put one in everyone's hand like we go to events now and people ask for cards and we rarely have them because we point everyone to our online home which we'll talk about I in went a minute. to my business seminar last week and I didn't have a single card on me yeah it just wasn't important when we go to the pool Sometimes Shows, it's good to I have a few. I try to have like five or six with well, There's going to be some people that that's really what they want, and we, we don't want to exclude them, mm -hmm. but that's not really a, a part of our marketing anymore. Mm -hmm. That's very little. So the stuff that we started spending our time, effort, and money on is um, when we when Al goes to visit a client and they are someone who fits our target audience and we'd like to build a pool for them, he used to bring his portfolio book with him and he would show them and then he would take it with him and he would leave them with a business card or something like that. Well, as we advanced through this process, we started investing in the book. So we print up books of our projects and they're updated um, every few months as new projects are added. Some are taken out of the older work and they're a significant investment. Um, usually we buy them strategically and we only get a handful at a time because they always change but we're investing a good amount of money in this book that then becomes the leave behind so that was really one of the first stuff things that we invested in and then we also do you know the occasional um, we do business cards and we do like at pool shows at the local pool show we'll do some graphic you know we used to do flyers and now we do kind of 
photo size, um, like Post postcards, mm -hmm. but we still, we print them as photos because they're easily accessible and we don't do huge runs. And then as we kind of continued branding Ask the Pool Guy, then the stuff got really fun because as everything that we were doing was working really well, we had a little bit more kind of discretionary marketing dollars. We started doing the sweatshirts and once people see the sweatshirts, you'd be amazed at how many people want to wear this character of Al. So they became popular and that's something that we've started doing more of because it's what people are asking for and it supports our energy signature. So we've really scaled back on the stuff here's, but here's, developed more important stuff. Here's where my mind was that when you would start talking about the sweatshirts is I can imagine someone listening to this saying, but I can't afford to buy sweatshirts to give them away. And you and I wouldn't have thought so either. I don't think that when we got started with this, we would have said, well, our marketing dollars are going to be like giving away $50 sweatshirts to anybody who asks us. Instead, it would have been, how can I strategically get this into the right hands of someone that could influence a buyer that can buy one of my things? I mean, that would have been the, the initial, what's my return on investment sort of perspective. Well, now we recognize that when we give out a mug, a coffee mug, or you've told the story many times of the little old lady that came into a booth and took one of everything we had. Well, more than one of everything. Several of everything Several we had. Several of everything. Cleaned us out. Yeah. She's not our target audience. She's not someone that we would ever that would we would ever expect to buy a thing from us, nor do we expect her to take that little coffee mug and give it to somebody strategically that's going to do business with us. We let all of that go because we realize that it's in the giving. It's in that process of, of sharing a name and sharing a brand and sharing that that we, from somewhere else, the universe delivered to us mm -hmm. that next customer. But I know that I wouldn't have understood and it would have been easy for me to listen to someone say, oh yeah, before you know it, you're gonna be buying sweatshirts and giving them away. And to me, just a, a matter of 10 years ago, five years ago, I would have thought, that's a lot of money to invest in people. That's a lot of whatever. And yet what we found is because this process has worked so well, we have those discretionary dollars that that's really what our marketing dollar is. We don't have marketing budgets to run advertisements and yellow pages, and we don't do any of that. So instead, our marketing dollars, discretionary dollars, are the same dollars that everybody else would be pumping into thoughtless advertising yeah. because they really don't know who they are, let alone the energy signature they want to portray, let alone what the message should really be to put on, on a pencil they give to someone or a yellow page ad or whatever those things are. So all of that money that we could be spending on those things, mm -hmm. we don't need to because we've thought about well thought the process. Out. So instead now, we can put it into the fun things. Yeah. And then not only that, a, a trend that's happened with us is once we're done with your project, we keep showering them with stuff, surprises. Yeah. Because that's future for us. That's the, that's the remarketing the future. Because again, part of what we do and is we don't ask for referrals. We really don't on the construction, and we really don't want people to refer us. We want to have one of our projects in a sphere of influence. So there's no monetary gain by, okay, I'm going to keep giving them stuff. But we what just we want them to we continue just, feeling Yeah, good. because the more they feel good, the more the world, the world swirls around good feelings with us. Mm -hmm. And that's what marketing is. That's what I was trying to say earlier about telling the story. It's 
doing things that people keep talking in a way and feel really good and it's always this awesomeness. Mm -hmm. And it's not about what's my return on investment when I invest in that board game with their pictures all over it or, or the, the, where we start with a customer with one of our picture books. You know, that's something tangible that they can keep and do whatever they want with. We don't want it mm -hmm. back. It's theirs. I, w I couldn't have imagined. It's, I would have been spending thousands of dollars every single month trying to attract customers to me in that old model when we can spend hundreds of dollars a month giving fun stuff away. Yeah. Well, and on that, I have a fun story just from today. A young man walked in the office and he said he was selling ads to support the play or the musical that they're doing at their school. And I asked what school he was from, and I said, I really don't want an ad, but I'll just give you a donation. Would that work? And he just, like, lit up and smiled, and I don't know how many people do that, but I don't need an ad in his publication. Did you have him put a smiley face and say I, everything is awesome or no, something in the But the I ad? just, I, you know, went into the, um, the cashier at the office, and I just, you know, took out a handful, and I said, well, here, you know, here's about this much, and hopefully that'll work, but, you know, good luck to you. So it's in that that the old paradigm would have been like everywhere that you can possibly get an ad you and should how think much about can I get it. into that little thing in the and now it's you know like yeah we're doing really well and and I on that same token as far as like all of the energy signature and stuff goes you know there's a certain amount of of paying it forward or just because we're we're living more abundant lives because of what we're doing that when the opportunity comes up to kind of give or give, I won't say give back, but just give, uh, it feels really good to be able to do that mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, And that really is a, a huge part of this. Because if we're not feeling good, then how could we possibly imagine having the, help the world feel better? And by being able to do that, and, and that's marketing, if that's what it is. You told the story now, you never would have told it to the, that kid just was going to go back and, his world was changed because someone just gave him money to donate it. He doesn't know who you are, and your name's not going to show up in the book or the. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter, and that's. It's that type of intangible stuff. That, even our stuff, can show, and it doesn't if we don't think about. Who we are, you know, all of mm -hmm. these things. What's the energy signature, around those pieces? Because I tell the story. That, that really saddens me to think about this from many years ago. When a guy walked into, we had a retail store, walked into a store and said, yeah, I'm the, the local whatever paper and we're doing a special spring section. It's going to be a sliding color section in this, in the local newspaper. And it's about, you know, spring gardening and, and backyards and stuff. And would you like to, you know, run an ad? Well, I said, sure. And he, we talked a little bit about it and he told me how much it was and, they sent me the graphic that I was supposed to approve or not approve, and you know I approved it because it looked good. I had no idea marketing. I had no idea how to tell a story. It was some of the just the stuff that I was supposed to do, and of course they send it back. Yeah, that's fine, whatever. And no, I had never thought about target audience or how do they think or what should it really look like. I thought that I liked it. I'm not the audience. It wasn't about me. So of course, however many hundreds of dollars that I put into my stuff box that day didn't get any leads from it. There was no ROI because it wasn't well thought through. It, was, it wasn't thought through at all. It was probably a really pretty picture of a pool, but it made no sense in terms of what I was trying to attract at the time because I didn't know what I was trying to attract. I think 
the goal was just to attract more. More doesn't mean anything. It ain't how much you make, it's how much you keep. And you can make more, 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 and make less and less and less money, and I proved that. As our company got bigger, I made less money. Didn't make any sense to me logically, but it's true. So that's that important part of understanding what the stuff is, where you're spending in your dollars. And so many people want to pinch real tight. Don't blame you. That's the only square that you're really going to spend money. Well, maybe one other one. That's where you're going to spend the money. The rest of it is just kind of thinking and asking questions. And yet everyone wants to be so tight, I can't spend any money on my marketing. Well, don't spend the money on your marketing unless it no. feels good. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one of the lessons that we learned. Like, we could run an ad, but unless that really feels good, don't do it. It feels really good to get a sweatshirt and give yeah. that away. It feels really good to, um, you know, do everything is awesome bracelets. So we do things that are relevant and timely, and they change over time. It's yeah. it's not we're not stuck the to this same one thing, thing mm -hmm. every time. I had uh, talking about the sweatshirts. I had a guy. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and we had stopped in a local store, and he he I had a sweatshirt on, and my daughter was with me. And she did too. And he goes, oh, I love that. What would it take for me to get one? And I looked at him and said, what's your address? And he just couldn't believe. I said, he, I said well, just write it on the receipt because he was checking out. I was at an auction. I was at an antique shop, actually, in a, an antique mall kind of thing. And I was buying a thing to bring home. And, and he just was bewildered that this guy walks in and I'm going to get a sweatshirt. So, you know, the day I got back here, packed up a sweatshirt and sent it off to it's him. It's funny to me how many random people just want yeah. the sweatshirts. I'm yeah. thinking of Atlantic City as well when the um, he wasn't a waiter at the restaurant, but he was, kind, he was of a, kind of a server helper that was there and kind of jokingly said, oh, next time you come, bring me a sweatshirt. And one of the people in our group took off his sweatshirt and gave it to the guy. And he was kind of like just taken aback by that. And mm -hmm. That, to me, that is such a good feeling, mm -hmm. just to be able to be so randomly spontaneous about mm -hmm. the stuff. Because that's not going to happen in the world. Yeah. That guy's told that story a hundred times somewhere into the universe, and anyone around that witnessed that had to have seen something special happen then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's the importance of the stuff, at least from our perspective, is we're about, about time about. Um, the importance of the stuff is to be able to do the right things with it, the things that make us feel good. And that when they feel good, you'll get more business from it. It's amazing how that happens. This may end up being a two-part episode. I'm just thinking of how much fun we're having talking yeah. about this. So, so we just got finished talking about the stuff. So do stuff that feels good. Don't feel like you have to do the stuff that everybody else does. And don't get pressured into just buying random stuff when someone comes up off the street and wants to sell you an ad in something. Yeah. Unless here's, it makes sense, don't just do it. Here's a little secret for those of you who are smaller boutique style companies, who you're maybe the person in the office and the person who makes the decision, create, even just for your own peace of mind, a marketing department. And when somebody comes in the door that has something to offer you, tell them that you'll gladly take the information and you'll run it by the marketing department and you'll find out what the answer is. Because that takes the pressure off of you feeling like you have to listen to a sales pitch and be under pressure. And maybe you are the entire marketing department, but that at least gives you some time and some space to be objective about it mm -hmm. and you know, tell people you'll have the marketing department get back to them kind of on your terms instead of on their terms. So that's one of the things that I found that really has helped me. And some of those things will surprisingly be great ideas. Yeah. We're not saying say no to all of them because we're not. Yeah. 
there are some things that will really work when thought through. Mm -hmm. When the right message and the right place and, the, and all of that is really important. I think that we're not opposed to traditional marketing or advertising. We do a series of postcard campaigns throughout the year for on, on the service end. And so we certainly understand all of that. And, and if the right person walks through the door that has something that feels right, feels good, whatever, we'll gladly do it. Well, and sometimes we'll do things because it feels good, but it makes absolutely no, no sense. marketing sense. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if the local school is selling yearbook advertisements and you know someone personally on the yearbook committee, of course you're going to do mm -hmm. it just because it's going to feel good, even though you don't necessarily expect something yeah. to come from it. Yeah. So. I, I think that's... Uh, there's there's so much more in that part where you were just living that we as a community of business people don't think enough about. We kind of get lost in the, the dollars and the minutia of our jobs and titles and specifics, but there's so much in that giving realm that you can get so much. And, and I hate to even say get after I say the word give, but they kind of go hand in hand that it's in the giving without attachment to the giving that receiving always happens mm -hmm. you know and it, and it comes from places who knows how the universe works I don't claim to understand how it goes out there and somewhere and wham and it comes back in a whole new but it does we see that all the time it's it's in the giving and, and the more that you give the more you just seem to receive yeah. and and there's there's no direct correlation between I gave something to them and they gave something back that's got nothing to do with it so somehow in this crazy universe we live in, there's some connection, then whoop, it comes back bigger. But it, it's, it's magical. It is. And we don't pretend to understand that. We're not trying to sell you on that. I don't know. It just works. Yeah. Time and time again, it's a, that stepping out in, in sort of social, in that faith that it's just going to happen. And then all of a sudden you have social proof and you realize, wow, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. And it doesn't just happen once. If it happened once, you could say, oh, coincidence. Oh, I got lucky. Oh, well, maybe it was just my time. I waited long enough that it was my time to be lucky. But it happens all the time. And it keeps happening to us. So did we just happen to catch the lucky bug? Where all of a sudden now we're lucky all the time? Well, kind of. No, I mean, really, that's kind of it. It's kind of way. it, but we started seeing, thinking a certain way. And, and then that giving part of our marketing end, the receiving just kept coming. Well, the next square... There's two left. Yeah, the next square to look at on the tic-tac-toe board is the alliances square. And alliances, granted, can seem a little less fun than some of the other squares yeah, when you're working on this. But not necessarily. It becomes more fun over time. So alliances are those companies that you can really kind of start having better relationships with that will help facilitate this whole thing that you've got going on. So... As an example, with our um, pool construction, there's certain brands and certain products that we use on our pools, and those are our alliances. And when we started being a little bit more specific about the types of pools we were building, we didn't necessarily tell these alliances, you're going to be my alliance now. We just kept using them, and it has strengthened our relationship with that brand. And over time, and especially as a result of the video work that we've been doing online, and now the production companies that are coming, those alliances all of a sudden are even more important than they have been in the past because those are now companies that we can go to and form kind of more strategic partnerships with 
about product placement or things like that. But along the way, they've just been something that has strengthened our brand. Because when we sell a liner replacement, for example, on the service company, there's only a couple of companies that we'll go to. And the sales reps for those companies know that they are the only ones for that product that we'll look at. So when we place an order with them, we're kind of valued in a little different way than if we just ordered, you know, one from you and one from you and one from you. No, there's a certain amount of brand loyalty that kind of comes with those alliances. So from the construction and service standpoint, um, that's some of the ways that we've really utilized those alliances. And there's a, alliances you could also look at as ways of leveraging the world. Uh, you could look at other, other people that are marketing to the same target audience. So if you surround yourself with people that are starting to think in these certain ways, it's easy to align yourself with someone that says, hey, you're servicing the exact same customer as I am. Let's run some type of a marketing campaign together, an advertising campaign together, and, mm -hmm. and we'll stuff flyers together. And we'll, we'll, you know, so we'll double up. If you've got a list of 5,000 on your list and you have 5,000, and look, I'll put my stuff on yours, you put your stuff in yours, and we each pay for half, we just doubled our exposure exposure yeah. and it's still to the right audience you can go ahead and just double stuff with anybody or do the what are the like the the, the coupon book things you know that come in yeah, the local local shopper, local shopper things. things and and that's all fine and dandy but you shove your thing in there and you're not aligned with anyone your message is you're getting lost in, in a bunch of stuff that if the, if all of those messages resonated with yours and you put it in there it'd be a great idea but chances are it's going to be something that's nowhere close to even the same style of how you do business, and you're just another number in there. And and I imagine for some businesses it works. For what we're talking about, probably not a good idea. Another example of alliances that Al has always been really good at is other local pool companies. There's a lot of builders that have Al's cell phone number, and when they run into a challenge or a question, they'll call and they'll ask, what would you do? And he always offers solutions. We also utilize those alliances when we get some of those leads for customers that don't necessarily fit exactly what we're doing. A lot of those leads get turned over. And we don't have the alliance because we expect them to refer us business because that most likely isn't going to happen. But what it just does is it strengthens our relationship with kind of the world and our relationship in the local market and the more people that you can create those stronger bonds with, just the better your energy signature is, the more likely um, people are going to be able to tell kind of those good, feel-good stories about you. Mm -hmm. I know in the local market, there's a lot of people, especially now, that kind of know the signature style of what we do. And I know you talked to a potential customer just the other day who said he's heard a lot of, good and interesting things about you from other local pool builders. So those alliances aren't necessarily kind of something that you're looking for a return on. They're just something that you're looking to do to kind of create a stronger like network or but stronger alliances it, it, in your it, it local market. It props up your brand. Yeah. That particular case in that story, um, he had asked other companies about us and they all said, yeah, they do something very specialized. And yes, they, in fact, have given us leads. Each of the companies he talked to, and he named several of them by name, they all admitted that we had passed leads to them because we're exactly what we talk about in real person as we are online or in our marketing. And when we say we turn away 
maybe 90% yeah. of our calls and our leads, we do. We wouldn't want to, oh, just say that and then have it not be true in the world. You go and check in the world, you're going to find that to be true. Yeah. And that's that's a big piece of this as well is, is learning that center square has allowed us to be really transparent. And that's a transparency thing. Mm -hmm. Is I wouldn't want someone to fact check, not that anyone would, but if they did, and start calling all these other pool companies, they go, who's he? Never heard of him. You know, that wouldn't, but wouldn't serve well for who we are as people. But we do have a lot of those alliances because we have, in fact, given the leads, not expecting anything. How many times do we hear a year, well, do you charge them anything for leads? That's not what our alliance is about. Yeah. Our alliance is about getting that customer out from in front of us and in, in front of someone that they might be able to get the proper service from. Right. Not, well, I'll send you to him because he'll pay me this much money, or I'll send you to him because he. all of a sudden that attachment, it loses it. So we just send them right on the way so that they can get the best service that they can get. Yeah. And that's a part of an alliance. And there's, there's all kinds of those alliances. I think we've told the stories many times how we've been just intermingling with people at these shows, people way up in some of the real big companies without any expectation, or owners of big companies, without any expectation of how we're going to, what are we going to get? We don't know and it didn't matter. However, we forged those alliances by building relationships with them, which, who knows? Within the world of production and TV production, there could be a lot of product placement stuff and we wouldn't have to create new situations now. We did that work. Yeah. Not because there was a, there was not that there was a paycheck in it. There wasn't. There will be, but there wasn't. We did it because it was just part of our alliance square. How many times did we talk about, well, who should we need, who, you know, who do we need who to get to go to? to? What could we send them? Or... If we meet them and have a good conversation, we always sent them something or we, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that, it was just about aligning ourselves. It wasn't at all about, okay, what's my return on my investment yeah. thing. And I think that became a, a much more powerful, interesting square when we got away from the, well, how can I, you know, get something from it? And so that's, we don't pay nearly as much attention when we teach this as we've actually spent time in that square yeah. ourselves because it doesn't sound really fun but you know ultimately there's a lot of really cool stuff that we're seeing now by having aligned ourselves many years ago we're seeing Definitely. the result of it well yeah. and we're better better able to explain what it means now because mm -hmm. we knew what we needed to be doing but it was mm -hmm. hard to explain to people what yeah. it meant we have social proof again we're a little more clear mm -hmm. on what it means yep. now so each one of these steps that we went through we now have social proof and that's become a really strong word mm -hmm. because we have and anything Validation. We, everything we talk about we go well here's an example here's an example here's an example yeah well when we did it the first time we had no idea if it would work we just we had, had a theory we had a, we a theory, theory that, that was was really strong and powerful and we believed it and we believed it to be true then we went out and did all of it and now we have Story after story after story after story, we could pile stories on top of stories about each one of those squares and what it means. Yeah. Without that, we'd be going, well, we think if you did this and you did this and you knew your customer and you did... We don't have to do that anymore. We know that it works. We know that it works. We absolutely And that's the beauty. It. So the question, is this just, does it only work in the pool business, do you think? We have one more square to go, but do you yeah. think that this process only works for pool companies? While you were thinking that, I was thinking, well, why do we keep talking about this? We keep talking about it because we feel so strongly that it makes such a difference. We don't talk about it because, I, I don't know, but we think something will come from it. So, no. so I do know that 
anybody that cares enough to do this, it'll work for you. If you don't mm -hmm. care enough to do it, of course it's not going to work. Yeah. But if you care enough to do this and you care enough to talk about it with at least one other person, mm -hmm. then it absolutely will. Or with us. Will. Talk to us about yeah, it. We, yeah, definitely. We, we never don't have time to talk about this yeah. because it's part of who and what we are. But you're right. There's not an ROI in this, but there is somehow. It's not like any of what we're doing is is other than because we are so passionate about it and we absolutely mm -hmm. love it. And we love all of this stuff, each independently. You love a certain part much different than I do. You and I are very, very different people. Mm -hmm. And yet we can align ourselves together. Good, good example of the Alliance Square. We can align ourselves to get an awful lot of really cool stuff done. Yeah. We don't have to be the same person. We don't have to be exactly the same to do it. We can be very different and yet the net result is pretty doggone awesome. Yeah. So. So last square. Last square. So all roads lead home. Home is the final square that you'll work on in this whole process. And again, this is one of the things that people try to jump to at the First. beginning. But if you haven't thought through everything else, you don't know what to make your home look like. So all roads lead home in this case in terms of organic marketing means your online house. So your website, your actual web presence where everything kind of lives. So it's where you've got your stories that you're telling, you've got your message, you've got your videos, you have photos of what you're doing. So it's it's that presence that kind of showcases everything else that's on the board where people can find you, they can learn more about you, and that's really kind of your, your home base of where all the activity starts from. So basically it's your ether real estate? Yeah. Kind of? It's that taking that cloud that cosmic whatever and declaring this is mine this is what i stand for and that's what your website really is now how many times do people come to us and say oh i need help with my website especially when we were doing more consulting stuff or you know how many times oh i gotta redo my website no you don't you gotta figure you out who you are dude you got a lot of other stuff and this is the other square that you can spend money on yeah. which a lot of people do they spend all kinds of money in the stuff and then they spend all kinds of money on a website to throw away and build again, to throw away and build again, to throw away and build again, because it doesn't work or doesn't look right or doesn't feel right. Because well, they haven't done the work They haven't on done the work. They can, yeah, yeah you got to figure you and figure all of that. And, and how many websites are built because the guy who's paying for it likes it. It's not about the guy who's paying for it. It's about the target audience and how they think. And the energy they want you want them to well, feel. Well, it has to resonate with you. Absolutely. You've got to be on there, but you can't but just... But it's not about you, though. I mean, right. we had a meeting a couple of weeks ago where somebody said, okay, I'm launching this new part of my venture, and I had my website built, and now I need to figure out what to do to market. Well, that's backwards. First, you need to figure out who you are, what you want to do. Then you have to figure out what you want to market, and then you can build the website. So I know at that meeting... After we got done, his head was spinning and he said, I need to like redesign my entire website. Well, yeah, you kind yeah, you of should do have done it in the first place. Because mm -hmm. your website as it stands has no target. It has no progression. Yeah. Like people get there, they're not going to know what to do. So it's not serving you. So yeah, if you want your online house to serve you, wouldn't you've you say do the that other that's first. most most of the time people, that's what I see mostly happen. mostly what yeah. it is. People think they have to have a website, which they do. Yeah, you do need Which one. they do. It, it's better to have one and not have one, but you're also wasting your money if you're going to build up a big website that really has none of this other stuff in it. Until, here's another word of advice on that online house. Until 
the website and your business is making you money, don't spend a lot on it. If you have the ability at all to navigate this online stuff, you can make your own website in WordPress with minimal help. You can get something up there and then start directing people to it, even if it's not perfect, even if you don't love it. We didn't love ours for a long, for time. A long time. It was continually a work in progress. And we've always done a lot of the work ourselves. And then when it made sense to bring someone else in to do some work, we paid for it. But what I learned with that is very quickly I wanted it done again or done differently. Uh -huh. So my just general rule, even for our current web presence, is we do 95.9% in-house and that other 4.1% I'll, I'll bring in someone when it's above like our technical ability. So yeah, we've invested some money in the website, but you know, don't overthink that part. It's more important that you start putting your content in there and you can get to that point very quickly and very easily on your own. And not to say that investing in web help, you know, if you're really good, like we have the skill set within our company to be able to do a lot of this. If it's absolutely a foreign language to you, then yes, do what you're good at, make the money there and hire someone to do it. But, but do it don't basic, don't get do crazy it, over it. But don't do it before you're ready. Do it when it makes sense and when you've gone through this process. Yeah, even if you don't have the skill set to even put up a basic website, spend the few dollars to have someone set it up to at least get it there. Mm -hmm. Because like you just said, content. You can start creating content, put it on there as fast as you can put it on there. That part you can do yourself. And then you can make it pretty and later. And then you can take that content and put it into something pretty. Mm -hmm. But that idea of spending all the money up front to build a website, which... Again, there's not too many websites launched the first time and stay that way mm -hmm. because we can only guess what people are going to like. We only can guess how well it's going to work. Yeah. So just get it up there but start producing the content. Well, what we've learned about our website on the construction side is ever since we built kind of the first website, which Al has talked about um, how he ended up with his first website, ever since we've done that, we've always put as much information, as much resources, we do pictures, we do how we build it, we do other resources in the area. We put everything that we possibly can into our online house and then people get to our website and we hear later, your pool website is like the most thorough that I've been to. It's different than all the other ones. It's so much more filled in. There's so much more there. Okay, so all roads lead home, that online house that too many people try to put together before they're ready. You can't just hire someone, say, I need a website, put it together, and expect that it's going to do for you what you're hoping. You've got to go through this process first and start with something simple until you can, um, until you can, what's the word, see spending more on it. Until well, yeah, I, I think, I, I think until it's, it's time. Yeah, until it makes sense. There's a point where a website eventually, you going to want it to look a certain way and have a certain feel about it, all of that. I think more importantly at the, in the beginning, for someone beginning, is get any type of website up. Have If you if you can't do it yourself, at least pay someone minimal to get the skeleton of a website up, so at least then you can start putting content in there, because that's mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. Your words, your authentic self is everything. The pretty pictures and the color of it come later, and that's important, but it's not nearly as important as the words are. Mm -hmm. 
and yet how many times do we see someone go through iteration after iteration after iteration of how's it going to look and it really doesn't matter and I probably shouldn't tell you the story but I'm going to you mind okay so we talk about my very 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 first websites so I had a guy that worked for me that decided to go out this was way early in in internet and he said he left he was leaving the pool business and he and his buddy were going to start a website company and they were going to build websites so do 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 okay sure I don't know what it is but it sounds fun and whatever and you know, so let's go back to the mid-90s is probably about the time. And he started building a website, and I gave him some money toward it. We had no idea what it was going to cost. He didn't have any idea, but I was, I think at that point, he was going to charge me like $1,000, which is probably a lot. Maybe not back then. It wasn't because it took so much to build a website. And he got it part of the way done. I had paid him some of the money. He got it part of the way done, and him and his partner decided to quit their business and go do something else. So I had this domain name and kind of somewhat partially put together website thing. I had no idea what to do with it. And my friend Mo, who was in some technical stuff, not necessarily web at the time, uh, said, well, well, I'll finish building it for you. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we spent countless amount of hours on long distance. Of course, that was back in the day when you paid for long distance trying to talk through and and so he he came to town he lived out of town he came to town and I said so you see this rock texture in the back this is like behind the website you know like so we're visual I said I'd like to like fade that a little bit because I just like the texture of the rock and it was a part of a project we were doing and it was really cool so he spent ungodly amounts of time to try to fade this well he finally gets it faded I don't know why but we did, because I thought it was important, because I'm such a web guy, 20 years ago. And didn't do anything for me. Didn't help. Having worst, faded rock on the background of the your website. The worst part about it was. Really worked for you. Think about internet speeds at that time. <laughs> it took an hour for the page to load. Think about it. it, it this is a full a graphic. Really the whole back, background. Really, if if you had the hour to wait for the page to load, you'd have this great back. The, it was really a really pretty, pretty was, picture of a rock. It was really pretty granite. It was so pretty. Awesome. And and yet, that was important to me because I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. But this is a good example. I didn't have someone telling me, "Dude, don't do anything but put content on the internet." Put your pictures on there, put a web, which then, when you came along and said, I'm building a website, I'll figure out how to do it, it was very picture rich. It wasn't all about snazz. It was, I don't remember it specifically, but everybody loved it. So whatever you did was perfect. You can actually look back at old versions of websites by going to the Wayback Machine online. So well, we could try. We could, we could try to, to find the Wayback. Grab some screenshots of your try. really pretty granite website. We'll see how far back we can go. So that's just an example of how I did everything we're talking about. I, I've done all of this stuff the wrong way and now understanding it. And that's why to me well, it is really Well, at least you were doing something though. So at even least, if you are a person watching the video and you've done things backwards, it's okay because you've at been doing, doing something. something. Mm -hmm. But now if you begin to look at things in a new way, you'll find out maybe it's and a you little have more to, you efficient. And you don't have to waste the money. I was doing something, but really I was wasting money. But I was 
the only guy doing it. There wasn't anyone else building a website for the pool company at the time. I don't think anyone understood the value in it yet. And, and I didn't really understand the value, but I was, I was kind of wanting it to be something. Or I, I didn't know what the internet even hardly meant at that time, but I wanted it to be something. And so I was doing something, but I was spending money that I really didn't have to put toward it. That that same dollar that went toward that could have gone toward a whole lot of other things that would have helped my business. But at the time, I didn't know it. So I think the lesson here is if you go through all of the rest of the tic-tac-toe board, you can become very clear on what you need on your website. And then once you get it there, you'll have, by that time, probably gone through this whole process again and decided that things need to change a little bit or maybe your focus has changed so you want to fade some things to the background and bring something else to the forefront. So that's okay. It's continually a work in progress. And hopefully what you'll find is you'll get comments like we get. When people go to our website, they'll spend hours looking at the photos, watching the videos, and they'll say that we've got one of the most thorough pool websites that they've ever seen, and we give so much of our ideas away and techniques and things like that that they really enjoy it, and they can feel the difference between our company and other companies solely based on how our website feels, and then by watching the videos and getting to know us. So by the time somebody calls us, they're kind of down our funnel, meaning that they've invested time in learning about us, and by the time Al gets out to visit them for a new construction appointment, he doesn't have to go through all the background information of you know who we are and what we build and what things look like, because people have already gotten to know us, so they kind of jump in at the, alright, like we're super excited, what's next phase, instead of you know, the pre-sales or anything like that. And you know what's really amazing in that process? And I think you even mentioned it because you sat in on a, on a, a meeting not that long ago. But all that background work is done when, they, when we meet with them. And yet, we don't really talk about the pool even at that point. Instead, it just becomes this extension of everything they've learned about me that they want to know more about our company. So that first meeting is is only kind of sort of about the pool and it's really just about the philosophy and the way our certain way this this sales process of what you do when you meet a client and all of that stuff is done when i get there that part's done that that building rapport and building relationship it's still one-sided because they know everything about me and i still have to learn about them but i can quickly learn about them because they already are in a mode to share, and they want to talk about fun stuff, not, not mechanics, not the how-tos, not the processes, but rather about the culture in our certain way and why we do what we do. And all I really do is share story after story of, of these crazy awesome things that happen with us. And it, and it isn't even about the product. It's about the experience, and that's how we talk about is the experience. And that's changed everything for me as well, because now I'm living in the, in the happy place all the time. Because I don't want to talk about the exact revolutions per minute in the motor, and I don't want to talk about the BTU rating of the heater and how much energy loss we have over this distance and the, you know, the, all of that stuff. That can come at some point if they need it. I don't want to talk about that. If I have to, I will. Not then. I want to just talk about us and how we can move forward in the future, and how we can have a great experience, and how it's going to be so rock and awesome, and wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's where I want to dwell. So it's that that I can be really happy about sales calls. I can be really happy about knowing when there's a lead that I'm going to. Because that's not what it is. It's now just social hour to talk about the certain way that we do. And the culture of our company. And, and that's either going to resonate with people or not. But if we even get there, we know it resonates with them. Because they've gone through that process for us to get there. And that's the same thing online. That's what the website does for us. That is all roads lead home. Everything in our marketing leads home. We, the Center Square View, leads home. That's our ether real estate. That's our presence. That's our claim to, to internet fame. Yeah. Is, that, is that real estate there what their website is? And we want it to reflect us personally, we want it to reflect our company, we want it to reflect our energy signature, we want it to reflect who our target audience is and how they think and our networks and our connections and our stuff and our alliances. We all want it to, to kind of map and work together as a cohesive unit. Absolutely. And I think in the last 6 to 12 months, I mean, we grow by leaps and bounds continually. But I know we just made another one in the last, I mean, say 12 months. And I think that's probably the difference that, like what we started talking about at the beginning of this, was your experience at the summit and being willing to talk and share with what we're doing. You know, our certain way has become even more certain in the last 12 months. Yeah. And our social proof, the validation has just, like, lightning speed the story yeah, it's upon story they're just happening over and over again and because it's becoming so common to us i think we forget how strange it is mm -hmm. and how flukish it appears well, to people who aren't on the same path so i think that's really the difference that we're seeing think of how many people we know that get caught up in the gimmick game of well, are you doing your SEO right, search engine optimization? Or are you, and everyone's got a new theory of how Google's going to translate it and backlinks don't matter over here and all this jargon of stuff. Because someone's looking for the magic pill. Oh, that's how I'm going to get number one on Google or that's how I'm going to get more money or that's, and they're always looking for that knee-jerk jump thing to what's the next trick. You know, what's the red pill versus the blue pill and, and which one do I take and, and how... And you know what? We've kind of ignored all of that. Yeah. Instead, we've gotten clear with the rest of it and built a website around that that probably has a lot of backlinks. It probably has a lot of yummy Googleiciousness. We know that. But it's been organic because we didn't focus on that. If you're building a website to focus on that, you're going to miss the really good energy part of what the website is. Instead, you're going to be pushing everything with articles that have the word 400 times that you're trying to search for it. I mean, all those things that are great gimmicky things that we never fell for that. Yeah. And as important as maybe sometimes we would have thought it was, I think we recognized that if we still just kept putting one foot in front of the other and kept doing the thing and kept producing content and, and putting up more videos and putting up more of this and more of that and sharing more and, and being more transparent and giving more and doing more and being more and telling more stories, and the net result is, I don't know, I'd say our website's pretty Google-icious, wouldn't you? I would say without, so. Without buying traffic, without, you know, and there's certainly a, there's certainly a spot for buy, uh, buying Google AdWords and things. I'm not opposed to that at all. There's certainly times for that and, and I'm sure that's 
been a part of on and off in our thing for certain reasons. But if that's your full intent and the only way you're going to drive people to your website, you're missing a huge piece. Yeah. Or paying somebody a ton of money to optimize your website so that Google can find you. Some of it works, probably. It's better than not doing. Like you said about me having a website way back when, it's better than not having it. But that's probably not the clearest way of defining really what you stand for. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're only in this for money, and you're only in this for quick and now and whatever, and, and it's a transactional thing, whatever your business is, this doesn't pools alone, then, then maybe our, this conversation is moot and it's not worth listening to. But if you're someone that cares at all about your industry and that you really feel it and it's a part of who you are, this is exactly a roadmap to take to find the exact, that success. Yeah. Two! Nice. Okay. You should have probably given people the disclaimer at the beginning of this, you know, two hour long talk that we've just Well, had if they didn't like it, they could have okay. just, they would have known in the first five or ten minutes it wasn't for them. But for the people that pay attention, that really care about making change in their industry, making change in their world, really feeling the experience they have and really loving the thing that they do and not just dreading having to go to work and anyone in that category of people. This, this is a really good place to start. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the industry. It doesn't matter what it is. We just happen to be in an industry that we've fallen in love with over and over, and that's the pool industry. But this certainly applies for everything. So. Well, thanks for so tuning you in. Go. Yep. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself as much as we did today, which we're finding we enjoy ourselves more and more every time we do one of these And episodes. And we're going to... This isn't a one-time thing. This is something we talk about. It's really, if you pay attention to how we talk anyway, you can start picking out, oh, there's that square. Oh, that's a... Yeah. Because this is this is the conversation all, all the, the time. time. And, and someone that starts paying attention to us will start to recognize, oh, they're back in the center square again. Oh, they're talking about the energy signature square. Oh, look, look, they're talking about the target. And that's yeah. in every one of our discussions on marketing. Yeah. And that's all this podcast will really end up being is philosophy and all of that. But you can always go back to each one of those squares and you know where we're talking yeah. if you pay a little bit of attention. So now so. you've got the insider secret. Now you got the, now you got the roadmap. If you yep. care to pay attention. Cool, man. Well, thanks. See you next time.